that way, but uh, Susan talked to her about it would be okay if I came and prayed for her. And so she said, yeah, she would like to have me come and pray for her. So on Palm Sunday, Susan, it was Palm Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, we went and Susan was doing her hospice nursing on Willa. And so I got to go in and meet Willa. Willa was 63, which is younger than I am. So I could, I could, when I was laying there looking at her, I was feeling a lot of compassion for her. Um, and Willa had had cancer for six years, and she had suffered with it a lot. And when Suze introduced me to Willa, Willa let me know how she wanted me to pray for her. Um, she told me how to pray for her. <laughs> she, she said, I want you to pray that I go to heaven. She didn't want me to pray for her to be healed. Uh, she, had, she had tried that. She had suffered with cancer for six years, had been to different countries trying different things to be healed, but she was destined to go be with the Lord. And she told me very honestly, I want you to pray that I go be with the Lord. And <laughs> so she didn't give me a lot of options in how that prayer was going to go. And so we sat there and we prayed for Willa. She was very alert. And afterwards, I was saying to Suze, you know, she doesn't really look like she's going to die very soon. And, but w Willa had her heart destined. Yeah, it was Palm Sunday because I remember thinking to myself, Willa was saying to me, I'm going to go be with the Lord for Easter. And I was looking at her thinking, I don't know about that. Um, but she had it in her heart that that's what was going to happen. And she made it very clear to me that um, she she said, the reason, <laughs> the reason that you're here is I want you to be friends with my husband after I go. And, I, and she had started arranging things for her husband before she left this earth to go be with the Lord. And I was thinking, and the reason that Suze was the hospice nurse, Suze just does weekends and... Um, after Willa and Suze met, Willa really wanted, she had been praying for a Christian nurse to take her home to heaven. And so um, the other nurse that was working with Willa wasn't a Christian. And so uh, Suze and Willa really hit it off, and Suze ended up asking the other hospice nurse if she could take over that case. And the hospice nurse said, yep. I want you to do it. It's the right thing to do. She actually asked you to do it, didn't she, Suze? And so Suze got to be, Willow was praying for a Christian nurse to help be with her when she went to be with the Lord. Willow's husband, Mark, has come to church here, and he just, he would be here probably, except for they had a celebration of life in Santa Barbara yesterday for Willow. And this experience caused me to go home. And on Monday, I started praying and fasting for Willa. And I was really praying and fasting that she would get to go home and be with the Lord before Easter came. Because that was the desire of her heart. And she said, I need to go be with the Lord soon. If I don't go be with the Lord soon, my kids are going to kill me because they got to go back to school. 
And so she was worried about her husband, about her children. She was worried about all the things related to other people. But she didn't seem to be all that worried about herself. And I was thinking, this lady is really different than anybody that I've met. And I think something is, because when Suze told me about Willa, she said, I just had a divine encounter. Have you guys had that? Where you met someone and you knew that it was of the Lord, right? And Suze, when she came home, she was really excited. She said, I met this woman and it was a divine encounter. And, when she, and then I had her tell me about it and I hadn't met Willa yet. And so when I went to meet her, I recognized this lady is very different than most people that I've met. She is so focused on the Lord. And so that's what caused me to start praying and fasting for her. And as I did that, I was just praying and, and talking to the Lord about Willa going home. How many of you guys uh, have ever taken uh, a look at heaven and you went and did a study of heaven and you looked at every word? Have you ever done this? You looked at every word in scripture Every, every single time scripture says heaven in it, you look that verse up to see what it says. Have you ever done that study? I just want to warn you. There's 692 words, uh, two, 692 scriptures with the word heaven in it. So if you take three minutes per word, it's going to take you about 34 hours. I know because that's how long it took me. Um, and when I got done, I was totally confused. It <laughs> so I'm telling you, it's not a good way to study what heaven is about. But most of us have studied heaven, haven't we? We've taken a look at it. Have you ever gone on a trip and you're going to go on a trip and you don't do any research at all about where you're going? That is not me, but that is my wife. Um, my son, Craig, is in Germany. He's in Dusseldorf. He went there to work with the Syrian refugees with his church. And he took his family and he moved there. So my wife went with him and helped him move there. She didn't look up Dusseldorf. She didn't know where it was. I don't even think she knew what language they spoke there. Um, well, she might have. <laughs> but, but that's her. That's not me. Um, I'm going to Yakutat, um, Alaska, and I'm going to go fishing on the Siddick River. And I know how wide that river is. I know how deep it is. I know what flies to use. Um, I've done every, I've watched videos on it for hours <laughs> to know how to fish that river. Um, that is not my wife. And so some of you guys may be like Suze, and some of you may be like me. But do you know what heaven, do you know what, when we say that we're going to heaven, do you know what that means? I, I have to tell you that when my best friend died in a car accident, and I was a young Christian, he was going to be best man in our wedding, I went, and that's when I first started looking up heaven. I wanted to know where he went. I wanted to know what it was like. Um, and at that time, it took me about three months to study heaven and what heaven was. This time, 
as I started looking into it, Willa was the one who caused me to really start looking into heaven again. And Pastor Rob was talking last week about gifts of, of the Holy Spirit, right? How the Holy Spirit moves. How many of you guys put up your hand if you've experienced the Holy Spirit moving in your life? How many of you guys have done that? Okay. I've, I've done that too. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit move in your life in a way that when he got done, you were like, that, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> have you ever had that? How many of you guys think you, got, you have the theology of heaven all worked out? Good, I'm glad to see nobody's hands up. Because I put you, uh, I would ask you a few questions um, <laughs> if you do. Um, but what I want you to do is I want you to uh, turn in your Bible. Rob said that eventually we'll get to the book of Acts as we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about, we're going to look at Pentecost. So go to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to take a short look at just a few verses of, of Peter's prayer. After, when the guys at Pentecost got filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues, there were other people there that were listening to them speaking in tongues, hearing them speak tongues in their own language. You guys remember that? And so some of them thought that some of these guys were drunk that maybe they'd been drinking and Peter says no you know it's early in the morning they they haven't been drinking and so Peter gives them he, he gives them a sermon but he uses a little I'm just going to read you a small section that actually comes out of the Old Testament and it comes out of uh, the book of Joel and this is what it says so I'm going to start Acts 2 verse uh, 15 for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the, through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women. I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is uh, the beginning of his sermon. And, and so he goes on and he continues to preach to these guys. But what I wanted you to notice is just notice what it says about your sons and daughters. That they will prophesy. And that young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Has any of that ever happened to you? Yeah, I bet it has happened to us. Well, it's never really, uh, it's happened to me just a couple times. One time, uh, my son Ryan and I, we were going for a run. He was a sophomore in high school. 
And we were running up this mountain, uh, which is my habit to run up mountains. I like to run up mountains. We were running up this mountain. I said to Ryan, you keep going, and I'm going to stop here and pray. And Ryan looked at me like, oh, sure, you're going to stop and pray, and I'm going to keep going, you know. <laughs> Good deal. Um, but I was saying, no, Ryan, I really feel like the Lord's telling me to stop and pray. And, and I had never done that before, and he was like looking at me. I know what he was thinking. He was thinking, Dad, you are weird. That's what he was thinking. And so he kept going, and uh, when he came back, he said to me, Dad, um, what happened? And I said, the Lord really gave me a vision of you. And he was like, really what? And I said, you're going to run all around the world. And he's a sophomore in high school. He's never run in a race. Um, and he's, he looks at me and he goes, I'm going to run in races all around the world. And I said, yeah. And he said, Dad, you are a nut. And down the mountain we go. That's all he thought was, Dad, you are a nut. Um, and so um, Ryan ended up running in uh, the Olympics in Beijing and in London. And then he did uh, a thing for the dream. And he ran in lots of other countries. Um, but it's the last race that he did, he did a, it wasn't a race. It was a fundraiser for the Dream Center down in L.A. And the fundraiser was seven marathons on seven planets. I mean, on seven planets, that would be good. <laughs> on, on seven continents in seven days. So you just got to try that one on. Uh, seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And... Uh, he did that with Matthew Barnett, who's the pastor at Dream Center. And they did it to raise money for the Dream Center. Uh, that was the purpose. So needless to say, he's run on all the continents. But there was a time when Ryan, as a sophomore at Stanford University, came home. He hadn't won a race in a year and a half. Came home and said, Dad, I'm not very good. I'm not very fast. I'm quitting. And he, and he said to me, and what about that? vision that you had and I said to him you can come home and get your dream back and then you're going back and that's what he did uh, he came home from Stanford he had quit he had said I'm not good at this I'm so I had had a vision before but this vision that I had this time was different and I was I want to tell you what happened it it messed up my theology about heaven uh, because I didn't experience in this vision what I believed the Bible said. Have you ever had that happen to you? Where you experience something that looks like it doesn't agree with what the Bible teaches. Let me tell you, if that happens to you, I'm going to show you my error in theology so that you can look at yourself and say, you might have some errors in your theology as well. You know, guys, our theology is just what we believe. And sometimes we will look at a verse and we will think we know what that verse means, but we can be wrong. So I'm telling you, I wouldn't be too dogmatic in your theology <laughs> because every time I experience something with the Lord, he shows me, you're not very smart. Let me show you something. <laughs> and, and I mean, when you start studying something, often what you find out if you're learning a lot about it, what you find out is you don't know much about it, right? A when you are starting to learn a subject and you actually, my s 
my um, subject in college at Pepperdine was kinesiology, the study of the body. And what I found is the more I studied it, the I knew that I knew this much, you know. That's all I knew was that much. And at one point, we had m memorized every muscle, every tendon, every insertion point, everything that you could, all the protein, not all the proteins, but there's too many to memorize. But we had memorized so much stuff. I thought at one point when I was in college, I thought, you know what? Um, all I know is just this much because the more I learned, the more I knew. I didn't really know very much about it. And so what I know about heaven that I'm going to tell you about heaven now is about this much because that's all I know. And the rest is for you to find out. <laughs> I challenge you to look at those 692 verses and see what you come up with uh, because that's what I did. And I did that because this vision that I had was in disagreement with my theology. And I was going, Lord, was this real? Um, do you know that Paul experienced something like that? Um, go in your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to um, 2 Corinthians 12, I think it is. Um, no, maybe it wasn't that one. <laughs> like I said, I don't know very much. Um, it was the place where Paul talks about being in the third heaven. Do you remember that? And Paul said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot say. Do you guys remember that? And I forget where it is. I thought, it, is it? What verse is it, Rum? You know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no wonder it didn't look like it in my Bible. I was looking at 1 Corinthians. So. But Paul has this experience. And so he says this, boasting is necessary, though is not profitable. But I will go on, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. So you notice how Paul says a, a man, like it's not him, right? When he's saying that, it's really Paul, but he's saying that because he's trying to say it was such an experience that I can't even really fully explain it to you. Have you ever had that with the Lord where you've had an experience with the Lord and you want to explain it to someone, but you really don't know how? That's what I'm going to try to do today when I talk to you about the experience that I had in the Lord. And I'll tell you part of what happened. This is what happened to me. I was praying for Willa, and I was laying in bed praying for Willa. Any of you guys lay in bed and pray? That's... This is, <laughs> this is what the Lord does to me. Um, I wake up early in the morning some mornings, and I'll be laying in bed praying. And so this morning, I was laying in bed praying for Willa and for her husband, Mark. And the Lord nudged me and said, get up out of bed. And I was like, oh, Lord, you know, it's like 4.30 in the morning. Um, 
maybe if Lord, if I just I'll I'll stay here and pray, and and the Holy Spirit was like pulling me out of bed, saying, "Get out of bed," and the Lord just spoke to me, "Get out of the bed and take a pad, a, a pad and a pen," and I'm like, "Oh Lord, you know I've never done this before—a pad and a pen. Why do I need that if I'm going to go pray?" So I go. I went downstairs. I got up out of bed. Um, I would have rather stayed in bed, but I got out of bed, and I walked downstairs, and at 5.23, I started praying for Willa. And I, I'd looked at my watch, and I thought, you know, I'll probably be asleep in 10 minutes. That's what I was thinking. Um, because normally when I start praying, if I'm not moving, I fall asleep. I pray a lot better moving than I do sitting. And so um, I sat there, and I started to pray, and I didn't know how to pray for her. Have you been in that place where you want to pray for someone, but you don't really know how to pray? Because I had prayed for her already that she would go be with the Lord and she was still alive. And so I wasn't sure how to pray for her. So I was just saying to the Lord, Lord, I need the words to pray for Willa because I don't know how to pray. And the Lord gave me these words, O oh Lord Jesus, Willa. And that was it. Oh, Lord Jesus, Willa. And so I sat on the couch, and you know, it says in Scripture to call upon the name of the Lord, right? So I realized this was biblical, this was scriptural, but this is not normally how I pray. I don't normally pray a repetitious prayer like that. But I started on my couch, Oh, Lord Jesus, Willa, at 523. And then I found myself out of my room, out of my house, in a huge big field with literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. I can't tell you how many hundreds of thousands of saints who were praying. And they were in a, and it was just, I can't tell you a lot about the surroundings because I was looking, focused on this, the risen saints praying. Because they were praying, I was praying, Oh Lord Jesus, Willa. And they were praying, Oh, Lord Jesus, Wilhelmina. And, I, and I, in my head, I just went like this. Oh, Lord Jesus, Wilhelmina. And I'm praying, oh, Lord Jesus, Willa. But this is what else I was thinking. These guys are praying with joy and with might and with power. And I'm praying a feeble prayer with sorrow, with sadness, um, without a lot of hope. That's what I realized about my prayer here on earth. It didn't have a lot of hope. And I started thinking to myself, I want to pray like them. I, I want to pray how they're praying. And I have to tell you that I sat there and I tried to pray like they were praying, but I couldn't. I don't know why, but I couldn't pray like they were praying. And so I started praying, Oh Lord Jesus, Wilhelmina, like them, and I, and I have to tell you this, this was troubling for me um, because my theology said this, in heaven there is no earthly cares. There is no earthly worries. Do you guys believe that? That's what I believed. Do you know that that's not really scriptural? It says that in Isaiah chapter 65 and it says it also in Revelations 21. But both times it says there will be a new earth and a new heaven. 
and it won't be the earth and heaven that we're in. Do you guys realize that? That there's, there is, there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There, there won't be any cares, any worries. We know death will be swallowed up. But let me show you why. So I'm telling you, I was there, and a little bit of part of me was troubled because I was like, this isn't agreeing with my theology. And now I want to show you why that theology is not, probably wasn't correct. Have you ever thought about the transfiguration? What happened at the transfiguration? Moses and Elijah came to be with the Lord. If there isn't any earthly cares or any earthly worries, why were they there? Uh, turn in your Bibles. to here was, here was one of the verses that really affected me. Turn to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And the reason this matters is because I was in heaven having this experience, but I was troubled. And I was troubled because it wasn't agreeing with my theology. You get that? Uh, and so I was going, how can I be experiencing something that's of the Lord that's in conflict with the word? And this is what I would always share with you guys. If you have something like that happens, dig deeper into the word, right? Dig deeper into the word because what we know is probably not sufficient. And we need to let the Holy Spirit take us to a deeper place where we understand something else. So look at this verse, in, and this is Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. This is what it says. And we, when he broke the fifth seal, so we know that this is during the tribulation, right? I saw underneath the altar and the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, how long, O Lord, how holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judgment and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. Hmm. So these guys... Who, have, who are killed and martyred during the tribulation. You get what happens, right? These guys are martyred during the tribulation. Then they get raised, and they're going, how long? They're in heaven, obviously. They're talking to the Lord, right? And they're saying, how long are, are, are we going to be unavenged? How long are you going to let this go? And the Lord says to them, until the number is completed. Because what Rob had shared with me before and that I, that I recognized later, it talks about in Revelation how there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And on that new heaven and that new earth, both verses that I read that talked about no pain and no suffering made references to the new heaven and the new earth. Do you guys understand that part? And so here's, here's what I recognize. Let me tell you what I learned about looking up all these verses about heaven. You can look in the um, New King James Version of the Bible, which is this one, and there are 692 references to heaven. But when you look in the New American Standard Bible, there's only about 622 references to heaven. And the reason for that, a lot of times when it talks about heaven in 
this one, 70 times in this one, it'll talk about the sky. Because don't we often refer to the sky as heaven, right? And actually what you find, to help you guys, if you ever do a word study, I'm going to help you unconfuse yourself before you get started. Because I've been confused for days and days and days, and I don't want you to go through that. I mean, literally, I mean, literally, Rob called me, how you doing? I'm confused, you know, that's how I was doing. I'm confused for days and days and days, so I don't want you to have to go through that. A lot of times the references to heaven are talking about the sky, the sky above us. And you can see that in Genesis when it talks about the birds in the sky. And in one Bible to say the sky, and another Bible it says heaven, right? In another place in Deuteronomy, it talks about the stars and the earth and the moon. Then it's talking about the solar system. And it's talking about the heavens, right? And it, and it refers to the heavens often like that. But then it refers to heaven as the place where God, where Jesus is at the right hand of God. And that's the heaven where we're going. That's where we're going to be. And I have to tell you that after studying this, I have more questions than answers. Um, I don't have a lot of answers. But that helped me then when I looked at verses classified. This is literally about heaven where Christ is. Or this is about heaven, the stars, and the, you know, and the solar system. Or this is in our sky. And I began to understand that the Bible was referring to three different places. And that really helped me separate out the verses and make sense of heaven. Because I think we need to know, number one, how do you get there, right? Isn't that the biggest deal? How do you get there? I mean, any place you want to go. Uh, Suze went to Dusseldorf, Germany. She didn't have to know how to get there. She got on an airplane and the guy drove her there, you know. She didn't have to know. But if we're going to drive our car and drive someplace, you've got to know how to get there, unless you have Siri, and then you ask Siri how to get there, which I, I do a lot, uh, because I used to get lost a lot. And now I, now I don't, because Siri tells me how to get there. But when I've talked to Siri, and, and I've asked her, Siri, how do you get to heaven? And she always answers me like, that's information I do not have, you know. Um, but... But I think it's important for us to know how to get there, don't you? And so, listen, if you want to know how to get there, uh, you read Matthew chapters 5 and 6. Matthew chapter 13. Do you know that Jesus talked about a hev heaven in 113 verses? I was just going to share those 113 verses with you, but I thought it might take about five hours, so I changed that. Um, but Jesus had a lot to say about it. And the, thing that, the things that he had to say about it, uh, you can, he had a lot to say about it, by the way. When he said in um, Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about it repeatedly, right? He started out the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus saw the multitudes, and he went up on the mountain, and his disciples came to him, and he began began to open his mouth, teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's where he started. 
What does that mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It means when Christ is the only thing that will do for you. When he's the only thing that will do. The only thing I can compare it to is I used to play high school, well, a long time ago, I played high school football. And our coaches believed that you shouldn't have water during practice. And we would have double sessions. That's what the coaches believed back when I was a kid. And, and so we would sit in the huddle. Our, our quarterback, Kenny Grundyke, would go like this, 23 dive, and that was the play. And then, but we would sit in that huddle for 30 seconds. You know what we were talking about? What would you guys give for a drink of water? You know, we hadn't had water for an hour and a half. It's 90 degrees out. You got all the gear on. You're just pouring sweat. And, and the coach is probably wondering, what are they talking about in there? You know, and we were going, oh, man, wouldn't you, what would you give for? And somebody would say, oh, I'd have a seven up. But almost everybody would go, no, give me ice water, just ice water. I'm dying of thirst. That's what that verse is about. Blessed are the poor in spirit where the only thing we'll do is Jesus Christ. You know, and he started with that. And he said, you want to get into heaven? Make sure I'm in the middle of your life. Make sure that I'm there. And it says in scripture, you confess me before men and I will confess you before the Father. We know this, to get to heaven, you have to be like Willa. You have to be one-minded, single-minded. When I went to see her, she told me how to pray. You're going to pray, I get to heaven. <laughs> That's all she said. Is you're gonna, I just want you to pray that I go to heaven. Um, but then things went on with, I, I asked after um, Suze was going to see Willa every day. And on Monday, um, she was still alive. And on Tuesday, she was still alive. And so... I asked Suze if I could, after I had this vision, I wanted to go see her, and here's what I wanted to tell her. And here's what the Lord wants me to tell you guys. This is the message that the Lord has me to give for you guys. I told her, and Willow, by this time, she had her head back, and she looked like she was dying. But I, I, I believe she could hear me. And I was saying to her, Willa, there are thousands of saints in heaven praying for you. I mean thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean thousands and thousands. And they were all praying, Oh Lord Jesus Willa. Mina. I was praying, Oh Lord Jesus Willa. And later afterwards I asked Suze when I, after that vision, I came back and asked her, What's Willa's whole name? And it was Willamina. And they were praying, oh, Lord Jesus, Wilhelmina. Thousands and thousands. And, and have you ever, I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews 12.1. Because this was a verse that used to confuse me. I didn't know really what to make of it, and now I do. And in Hebrews 12.1, um, when I first read it, I was looking at, who's this great cloud of witnesses? Who is this? Because it says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Now, in that chapter, he's talking about, in, in the book of Hebrews, he's talking about these great men of faith. And what I saw in heaven, I think, I think, after going there in a vision, that you, you, personally, you, have thousands and thousands and thousands of risen saints who are praying for you. That you will run this race with endurance, the race that is set before you. And imagine how you would run the race if you were an athlete and you were going to go run in the Olympics and you were running before all the best runners who had ever run and they were all there cheering for you. How would you run that race? you would probably have a PR day, personal record day. That's what would happen. One day I was coaching uh, our cross-country team at, st at the state meet, and I was saying to the kids, I was saying, We're, today let's run like, like heaven's gates are open, and you're running into heaven, and you're running literally into heaven. That's how I want you to run this race. Let me ask you, how do you think they did that day? They blew everybody away. They set a, state, a course record. Uh, they won a state championship. They ran away from people. The number, uh, McFarland, you've seen the movie McFarland, right? McFarland was in the race. They were ranked number one in that race. Our number five guy, you've got to put five guys in. That All those guys count. Our number five guy outkicked McFarland's number one guy coming in. But we had focused on this. We had focused on we're going to enjoy every step along the way. And we're going to focus on Jesus Christ. And a lot of those kids came into a loving relationship with Christ. Now, I was at a public school. And they did call me into the office a couple times to talk to me about it. Um, but, <laughs> but by the grace of God, I didn't lose my job. And, but those kids... Uh, I, I, they, they were amazing, but they, they later, we had said, no matter good or bad, how we do, when we get done, we're going to come and we're going to rejoice in what the Lord did in our lives at the end of that race, no matter what, good or bad. And when I look at all of you guys, I'm thinking of each one of you guys. Who do you know in heaven? How many people do you know in heaven? You know, that they're, they're, they're interceding on your behalf. Have you ever thought of this? We're going to go, oops. <laughs> when, when, we, when we go, when you go to heaven, are you going to be less or more? You're going to be more. Do you intercede for people now in prayer? What would make you think you would intercede for people less? You are going to be involved with intercessory prayer when you're there, and you're going to be lifting up the saints that are here. And that's what's happening for you right now. The saints are interceding with Christ. And what I realized I was seeing is Christ was leading these saints in prayer, inter interceding for, Wil for Wilhelmina. But that's not all. How many saints do you think are up in heaven? Have you thought about this? They say there's two billion Christians on earth today. If there are two billion Christians on earth today, how many are there in heaven? 
And how many are interceding for all the saints here on this earth? And the next time you feel alone, you just remember that you're not. That Christ is interceding for you and the saints are interceding with him for you. And that's the message that I have.